In the jungle of Belize, there is an hourglass-shaped opening in a tall rock face. Vines and an entanglement of plants hang from every ledge, and a clear blue pool sits at its base. It is easy to see why the ancient Maya regarded this as a sacred place. Thousands of years later, it still feels that way. An ethereal and powerful portal that brings us closer to the underworld, Shibalba. It is difficult to imagine, however, what actually lies inside this beautiful cave, evidence of the much more dark and macabre practice of human sacrifice. What lies beneath? ATM Cave, the Cave of the Stone Sepulchre. This is Stones, Bones, and Shadows. and taphophiles. I'm your host, Lachelle. We're so happy to have you today on Stone Spoons and Shadows, and we're excited to have Randy with us. Hey, Randy. Hey, guys. We are gearing up for our October spooktacular. Woot, woot. <laughs> Woo. Spooky season, finally. We love spooky season. It is so fun. And Randy went to quite the spooky place. Some people would think so. Yeah, this this is a place when I tell people about it that makes people uncomfortable for a couple of different reasons. So yes, I think it's a perfect one for our spooky season episodes. And um, yeah, I hope you all enjoy it because it was really it's really cool and, and fascinating, I think. so. Such an amazing place. We're so excited to literally dive into this place. Sorry, I'm still sounding a little sick, but you know what? I am here for <laughs> Stones, Bones, and Shadows, peeps. So love you guys. Thank you for being here. And we'll just keep going till I finally get well, right? Yeah, <laughs> I hope I hope it's soon. It's been a long time. I haul, hope it's soon. You know? Oh my gosh. But, you know, spooky season does not wait for us. So it's true. It does not wait Gotta for take cold season it, to go away. <laughs> it just is what it is. When you have a weekly podcast, sometimes your host will sound a little off, but we are here. So we are going to Belize and Shibalba. Yeah, so we are going to Belize today. Well, see, we went on a trip there, uh, Porter and I and his family, uh, in 2018. So I can't believe it's already been five years ago because it's one of the last international trips we took before all the craziness of the pandemic. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, so, <laughs> anyways, we. I love, love, loved Belize, and this is kind of our first 
real trip to Central America. We'd been to Mexico, um, but really pretty like close to the States relatively. So this was our first main trip to Central America and we went to Belize and Guatemala and we got to experience some of the most amazing archaeological sites there and some of the most renowned archaeological sites in the world, including a UNESCO World Heritage Site and several different national parks. So, you know, we have talked a lot about our adventures here before, but I'm telling you, this experience consistently is one of my favorite things that we've ever done. And most unique. It's very unique and it's very adventurous and just very otherworldly and ancient. And so I've tried to decide if I could actually do this adventure that you did. Like I'm on the cusp. Yeah, I, I couldn't recommend this experience enough. It was just, just amazing. So Porter and I and Porter's brother Keenan all did this adventure together. And so if you're listening, because I know he's listened to a few of our episodes. Hi, Keenan. <laughs> hey, Keenan. Uh, you get a shout out this week. And this is one of my favorite memories with Keenan. So... I hope he enjoys listening and maybe yeah. learning, refreshing some of what we learned doing this. But we're going to take you all through some history, and I am going to try my very best to kind of paint the picture what this experience was like visiting ATM Cave. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a cave in Belize, and about the people who are laid to rest here. So, so today, not so much a cemetery but definitely a burial site. Yes. It's, you know, it's heavy on the bones part today. Or a place where they're (laughs) heavy on the bones parts and maybe a few shadows as well. So I guess first, a little history of the cave itself. Cave's name is Aktun Tunichil Muknal, which is a mouthful, so... People call it ATM for short. Makes sense. <laughs> ATM. And that means the the cave of the stone sepulcher. So it oh. is built into to the name is that this cave is a sepulcher. And pretty cool. So the cave itself is super ancient. It began formation millions of years ago. So just being in that, you know, it's it's very old and um, up in the Mayan mountains. And this cave is about five kilometers or about three miles long. And it's formed inside Calstic limestone, which is what most of the caves in this area are formed within. And it features a stream that runs down the entire main chamber of the cave. And this stream runs year round at different levels. And um, the main entrance features what is called a double Gothic cave entrance, which is like... Ooh, I love it. Isn't that cool? It's like, you know, back to our cathedral kind of love, but nature. And it's like two archways stacked on top of one another. So it kind of forms an hourglass shape at the entrance. And then the stream pools into a deep it's about 12 foot deep think deep end of a swimming pool pool that's crystal clear 
blue, like looks like icy blue. And it seriously... And you could just see to the bottom. Uh-huh. And it's, it's stunning. I mean, just going to look at the entrance of this cave, I think would be worth it for people. Um, even if you're not wanting to go in the cave and do kind of the more spelunking, adventurous, claustrophobic type stuff. Yeah. Um, just going on the hike and seeing the entrance to this cave is, I mean, it's worth it. Like we walked around the corner and ev- like everyone like gasped. <laughs> it was Gasp. just like, yes, out loud, what? like collective gasp. Yes. Like everyone in our group, there was about eight of us and all about in mid twenties to thirties range. And we were all just like completely floored just by the entrance of this cave. So super stunning. And then of course, I just kind of want to say off the bat as we're like recommending all of this, that we did go with a certified guide and a group. So you can't just go and like walk into the cave and not know what you're doing. There's, you know, specific licenses that the guides have to have. You have to go with a guide into the cave. You can't just you know, go on your own. Not one of those self things that you can just grab a Jeep and right. ride out and start swimming right. in the cave. And, you know, it's really for your safety because caves are dangerous if you don't know the way. And it, there are, you know, places that you, know, you have to make turns and stuff and you could get lost. So by no means am I recommending just going to this cave without going with a guide because we went with the guide and that's the only way you're allowed to go in the cave and it's also a protected and a national monument site so you have to follow the rules like if you want to be able to see these things you got to follow the rules right so that aside I just wanted everyone to know that I didn't just like you know jump into this cave yeah (laughs) no that's a that's a good point to make but anyways the area it really felt prehistoric to us. We kept comparing it, you know, to like a Jurassic Park type feel. Like we we kind of felt like a dinosaur could come out of the jungle at any moment and it wouldn't really be that surprising. Right. Um, you know, and then we oh thought about it and we're like this cave was formed several million years ago. So it makes sense that it feels prehistoric because it is. It's been there through all the everything of the world. Yes. And, you know, the plant life is, is wild, it's just very, like, those giant ferns and jungle vines and, like, rubber trees and all sorts of just oh, amazing. very amazing flora um, around this area. And, you know, we hiked, we hiked about 40 minutes through the jungle from the trailhead parking. And even just getting to the cave, we crossed and, like, had to swim across, like, some small rivers <laughs> to get there. Wow. So they have like these ropes set up that you can kind of like pull yourself along, even if you're not like a super strong mm-hmm. swimmer. And okay, you know, the, the river is like maybe chest deep on me. So, I mean, I'm pretty short. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> you're petite. <laughs> so, you know, it was like swimming for me. It might be like walking for some other people, but <laughs> you know, several running streams and, Honestly, like I said, just going on the hike to the cave entrance was really awesome too. So then you just come around the bend and you see that beautiful hourglass entrance and the water. And um, I will share some photos of it that we can 
kind of check out and share with everyone, but absolutely stunning. And just one of those times where I truly didn't know places like that existed in real life. I just, you know, it's like, it was just... Otherworldly. Otherworldly. I'd never seen any place like that before, you know? And so then you get your gear ready and they give you helmets and headlamps and a safety briefing. And you're not allowed to bring anything into the cave other than yourself and your headlamp. So you kind of leave all your stuff outside um, that you took on the hike. And then the first thing you need to do is just like jump into the 12 foot deep pool. And then you, then you swim about 15 or 20 yards inside and then it like slopes up to a shallow or part of the stream. So you can stand up and walk through and then kind of stand inside at the entrance of the cave. So- Oh my it, gosh. Yeah, we felt like we were explorers, like- And what you find back there is literally of Indiana Jones type findings. So that's just what I keep thinking. It's so amazing. Yeah, so it just felt like we were explorers and it was just like the start of this really cool adventure. Through archaeological evidence, the cave was first thought to be discovered by the Mayans around 300 to 600 AD. But it wasn't until about 700 to 900 AD that they ventured to the deeper parts of the cave and used it for ceremonies. At this time, at least four major sections of the cave were used for cultural activities. These locations included the entrance chamber, the sinkhole entrance, and the stele chamber, and the burial chamber. And we do see all of these as you go along with your guide. The cave wasn't rediscovered until 1989 and thoroughly investigated up until 1999 by a team of Belizean and North American archaeologists. The rediscovery is really pretty recent, especially in terms of the Mayans. And so that has allowed the cave to become a sort of museum as artifacts have remained untouched and unseen for over a thousand years. This is especially important as the Spanish destroyed many of the records and places of importance to the Mayans and other Mesoamerican cultures. So this was one of the few preserved sites to study. It's a really important piece of history there. And when we started into the cave with our guide, Um, As I said, we were with a group around eight of us, and the entrance area is pretty tall with really large ceilings, but it's really incredible how dark it gets so quickly, just a few steps into the cave. And, you know, you look around and you see dripping stalagmites and stalactites and beautiful calcite formations that are tens of thousands of years old. And they hang around you in like all these different shapes. And there are bats way high up on the ceiling and walls, which I know can be kind of scary for some people, but it was kind of cool to see them up there. And I hadn't been in very many caves before. The only one I could think of was the lava tubes in Flagstaff, which are neat. They're just very different than a living cave like this is with active water and formation is happening still. It's still a growing cave. So 
um, it was just really different and just very fascinating. But also you have to be very careful because it is a living cave and you don't want to damage a lot of, you don't want to touch a lot of things really in general because that damages like the, the microbes and things that, that right, grow. Right, any little touch. Yeah. Yeah. So, so to get through the cave, you kind of adopt this single file and like telephone type method with your guide in the front. <laughs> And you have to, you know, follow the leader and um, then he explains, you know, what exactly you do, where to put your feet in your hands, where to duck so you get through safely and ensure people aren't, you know, damaging parts of the cave and the formations. But as you know, the telephone system was like not always great at times. It was kind of hilarious. As in the game of the first person whispers something to the next person and then they whisper that phrase to the next person and goes on and on. And then you wait to see at the end how it's all been mishmashed after all the times of being spread back. (laughs) So I can only imagine if these are important instructions that are being told going back and back and back through eight to ten people what happens by the end yeah it would start like put your hand here put your right foot here and then you're gonna duck and turn around this corner and then you know the next person would be okay you put your hand here you're gonna duck and turn uh-huh. and then the next person would just be like okay duck and turn and then the next person <laughs> would just be duck <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> the last okay. person was like duck okay yeah so i wanted to make sure we were right at the front so <laughs> yeah I, it was like the guide, Porter, me, and then Keenan. So I think we did pretty well, <laughs> but it was it was kind of funny sometimes. So so be at the beginning of the line. Yeah, be at the beginning of the line. Be closer to the guide. Uh, we splashed through the water, and sometimes the water was chest deep, um, and you're kind of swimming. Sometimes it was just around your ankles, and then we came to the sinkhole entrance mentioned above which is an opening in the ceiling of the cave that you can actually or people did rappel down into so when you look up can you see light yeah through Mm -hmm. there yeah so it's like an opening and then you can see light in the sky and yeah it's kind of like a little skylight in there and um so that's considered the second like passable entrance into the cave and then, you know, we continue along and around corners and even down a few natural rock slides where you like slide on your butt inside the cave, oh, which wow. is pretty cool. And, you know, through some squeezes and there was some swimming and clambering over rocks, all, you know, following our guide's instructions. So it was pretty amazing how well they knew the cave. I mean, each handhold and foothold yeah. they instructed and... Um, all kind of with the intent of making our way to the main chamber, which is called the Cathedral Chamber, about a half mile into the cave. That really is all so adventurous. I mean, wow. I just have never done anything like this adventure that you took. And there's really it's only... really cool. I don't know. Unless you're a caver and you have a lot of experience, I just feel like there's only a few places in the world you can do something like this. I mean, the whole time I was thinking, I can't believe they let people do this. Even with a guide or even, right. you know, how strict, relatively strict right. they have it. I was like, I can't believe they let people in here. We'll see even more why it's surprising here in a minute. 
So yeah, there was some squeezes and, you know, definitely uncomfortable, I guess, for some people. But the guys just make it so nonchalant that it just kind of feels like, oh, okay, this is simple. All you do is duck and turn and move. And But there's this one section that they call the guillotine, which is not very encouraging, <laughs> I know. But it's it's... It's just like two rocks that are close together. And so instead of ducking underneath, the more safe way to pass it is like putting your neck between them and like kind of scooting sideways through. So like with your head above. Above the rocks. And so you squeeze through your neck. Your throat is like the skinnier part to go through. So you just kind of, you know, scoot through. and It's just like when you park your car is too close together in the garage yeah. and you have to get past the uh, side mirrors. You have to get past the side mirrors. Porter and I think of that every time we do that in our garage. We say, it's like it's that the guillotine. Like, we, yeah, it's the guillotine. Like, we think of that every I time. I literally did that this morning, so I totally get it. <laughs> so see, it's not as scary as maybe it sounds because you're... I, I can know. do it. You're not making guesses. Like, people are explaining it to you. And they've done this many, many times. So if you follow the guide, you're good. They do tell you if you have a fear of closed spaces, like, don't do this. Yeah. But I'm still on the fence. We'll see. But it sounds so <laughs> we'll see by the cool end what you think. that it's like, it makes me want to do it because of what you get to see at the end. Yes. So the cathedral chamber that I mentioned above is the chamber the Mayans use for their rituals. So just kind of some of their beliefs surrounding the cave. In the Mayan religion, nature is significant and sacred in their culture. They practice a belief called animism, which is the belief that all things, streams, rocks, trees, all have a spirit. So to the Maya, you know, caves are also something that are kind of spiritual and living but mainly because their world, they thought the earth was flat with Shibalba, the underworld beneath. So caves and cenotes, which are like big natural pools. If you've been to Mexico, there's lots of cenotes in Mexico. They were seen as a place that the veil is thin between worlds or even like a portal to the gods of creation and the underworld. Which makes sense because yeah. you're literally going Beneath. in a hole into the ground. So that makes sense that they're like, we're actually close to the underworld or in the underworld. Yeah, like if you think of, you know, your earth is flat and you know you believe something's beneath you going down like beneath the visible surface of the earth. Definitely. Yeah, it makes sense to their beliefs. Yeah, I can see that. And so because of this, caves were often a... I mean, considered one of the most sacred and natural places and were often a place of worship and to perform rituals to appease these gods. And their gods were believed to be very important, very powerful, but also often vengeful. And And so they had to try and make them happy. Yes. By whatever way is possible. So in the Popol Vuh, which again, I'm probably not pronouncing that correctly, it's a sacred Maya book that was translated in the 16th century. It says, it is the underworld gods who are responsible for the creation of the world. These same gods are revered in Maya culture as deities that promote rain and as earth gods associated with fertility. 
The earth lords who reside in caves beneath sacred mountains are the owners of the land, the forests, and all animals, and humans are expected to petition them for these resources. You know, when we say fertility, that's not necessarily in the terms that we think of it, like with childbearing necessarily, it it's more like fertility of the earth, like crops and, you know, bounty. Being able to make food and be able to continue to live by what the earth grows so it was a held belief that these gods needed sacrifices they needed tribute and even needed blood to sustain themselves and the most precious and ultimate source of this was human blood yeah yikes we're gonna be talking about some kind of scary things yeah we just say it like ah human sacrifice but it's like yeah yeah human sacrifice (laughs) so freaky And before going on this trip and learning about the Maya through here and Tikal, which we'll talk about a little bit later, but it's another famous UNESCO Mayan city site uh, in Guatemala, I am kind of ashamed to say that all my previous knowledge on this came from the movie The Road to El Dorado. So, (laughs) but in an article I read researching this, There's a scholar that was kind of like, you know, honestly, they don't do a bad job in that movie portraying their gods and kind of how the Mayans thought about death. And, you know, I guess props to the writers because they actually did a pretty decent job because I knew what Shibalba was. And I was like (laughs) the only one on our tour that already knew what Shibalba was. To Shibalba! (laughs) Which is kind of funny. But the downside is, like, that movie and those songs were stuck in my head (laughs) the whole trip. And it was kind of annoying. (laughs) But anyways. Oh, that's so great. Well... (laughs) I felt like I was living my own road to El Dorado story. Well, you guys love that movie. So you're like, I'm actually in Road to El Dorado. We're going to Shibalba. Like, what? Ugh. What you refer to as the cathedral chamber, it's also called the burial chamber, right? Yes. And this is where most of the artifacts have actually been found, and many of which are still there to see. Yeah, so this is the part in the cave where you have to rock climb some kind of larger boulder steps. You're like looking up like, okay, I'm climbing to this little rock ledge. That seems kind of, you know, sketchy. Mm-hmm. But once you're up there, it opens up into this huge room. Like, wow. Something large enough to fit a cathedral into type room. I mean, a whole, like, big cathedral. Yes. Oh, like, my word. Huge. And I mean, it felt like uh, being under the night sky because your headlamps would kind of sparkle up above, and, and it was so big that. Your headlamp didn't light up the whole ceiling. You couldn't see. It wasn't like reflecting off the ceiling. It was so far up. Yes. Yeah. So it was just like this huge room. I mean, I forgot that I was underground in this room. It felt like we were somewhere at night, kind of on some sort of rock face kind of thing. Like, it was really incredible. And this is the chamber where we find the human remains of 14 individuals, as well as over 150 other ceramic and stone artifacts. According to the Kahalpek tourist information site, of the 14 skeletons in the chamber, six are infants under the age of three. It's just so sad. 
One is a child of roughly seven years of age and the remaining seven are adults, ranging in age from early 20s to about 48 years. The skulls of at least five adults and the child have evidence of cranial modification. And so that's kind of interesting. So cranial modification would be that they tried to shape their heads into certain shapes, right? Like elongated or... Yeah, the elongated skulls were very... I mean, I guess popular would be the word. They, it was a popular style back yeah, in them days. <laughs> so, yeah, just, you know, different shapes. That's kind of weird. Interesting. All of the children also show evidence of trauma to their crania. So this suggests that their death may have been caused by blows to their heads. None of the 14 individuals, however, were buried. Instead, they are found lying on the cave floor with no associated grave goods. In this mode of internment and the context in which the skeletons were discovered strongly suggests to us that all the individuals most likely represent victims of human sacrifice. Generally, women, children, criminals, you know, women, children, criminals, <laughs> enemies, the enslaved, and players of the ball court game, sometimes this would be the winners as an honor, or sometimes it was like the booby prize to the losers, yes. were those chosen for the sacrifices. There were many rituals and ways in which they believed to appease their god. So gods. truly otherworldly to be yes. in the place where this was being practiced. And I mean, was that... I don't know if intimidating is quite the right word, but I just can imagine feeling just this overwhelming feeling of that people died right there through violence, and there they are. It reminded me of visiting the Colosseum. Yeah. Or other places that are similar. Right. Just knowing that that great violence happened in the spot you're standing in, but through time, you know, it's almost like if you blipped time, like what would be happening right here, right now? Right. Yeah. There's a few places that we visited that have felt like this. Um, Right. And it's not necessarily the same as other burials. And we'll kind of talk about that a little bit. It's, it's different than visiting a normal grave site or a normal cemetery right where someone uh, was laid to rest even different than visiting the catacombs but kind of a similar feel of you know these these people weren't necessarily um placed to rest in a traditional manner um and like you said by violence and so yeah the the closest i could feel was when we visited the coliseum i bet the energy was interesting there and seeing mm-hmm. these people just still there lying where they had been slain. Yeah. They try and make it very um, respectful, you know, so it is quiet. Like they kind of ask you to be, um, you know, a little bit more quiet and pensive up there. And so you definitely see that. And I can appreciate that. 
So yeah, you kind of are walking through. When you get to the chamber, they make you remove your shoes. And then you start walking through the chamber and you first see several skulls and then some pottery and grinding stones. So that's interesting about removing your shoes. Is that a respect thing or what is that for? It's actually, I mean, it's kind of sad. So somebody, I guess when they first opened it to the public, had stepped on one of the skulls and broken it. (gasps) So... Yeah, and it was, you know, they're very old and, of course, like, really precious artifacts. So it's more of a safety thing to try and protect the artifacts. And, you know, I I guess I kind of haven't mentioned this yet, (laughs) but it's like these skulls, they can't just be picked up and put, like, in a museum or even in, like, a display. One, they, they are, they're in the cave permanently at this point because they're, like, calcified to the ground. So when you said earlier, wow. you know, they're laying where they were slain, that is very much the literal truth where they are still in that spot, like part of, they're part of the cave now. So they are literally became part of the cave. Yes. So you're walking around them and they kind of have little sanctions, like little sections where they, you know, kind of rope off where the artifacts are. Mm-hmm. But it's really easy. There's just so much up there, too, that it's, yeah, you're walking along where the artifacts are. So you have to be really careful. And, you know, it's the same reason, actually, I don't have any photos of this area because somebody dropped a camera on a skull that's ah! over a thousand years old and broke oh! that one. And oh my gosh, you can still see. The broken skulls and so they you know kind of point them out like here is where this happened which is why we don't allow this and honestly that's what surprises me they even let people up there like two right. things have already been broken two very important you know human skulls. remains skulls not like uh, they didn't step on their toe or something they literally stepped on the skull yeah and these ones are, are only skulls like there's no skeleton part to the to these. They're just skulls. Oh. And so it's like that is the artifact and it's I mean, I can't imagine the being that person. I mean, it would be horrible. I'm but, sure they just like lost their balance or, you know, something yeah, like it's that. Yeah, like they're holding it, their camera over the skull and then drop it. So it's like Like that one's awful. That I, one is just like so they just don't allow any pictures. There are pictures that you can see, and I will, you know, share them from some of the tourist sites and stuff. Sure. That'll be good. But heartbreaking because other people weren't careful enough that now you can't, you know, take your own photos. It's just, again, just be so careful in these sites where you have ancient, literally ancient relics and human remains like yes be respectful be respectful be so very careful stand further back than you think may be needed (laughs) right and you know just always follow the rules that your guides share don't try and smuggle any pictures or anything like that More than 80% of the ceramic vessels in ATM are large jars and bowls, and almost all of the pots are broken. 
and they think that this could have been part of the process or ritual. You think just maybe the breaking of it was part of it. We know from other sites in the region that these vessels may have originally contained food offerings. In cave sites where the preservation of organic remains is excellent, archaeologists have discovered corn, chili peppers, cacao, and copal incense inside of ceramic vessels. So amazing. The corn, pepper, and cacao were taken into the caves as offerings to the gods and to deceased ancestors. The copal incense was generally burnt during celebration of the cave rituals. The stone tools in the cave indicate two basic types, grinding stones and hoes. Known as manos and matates, the grinding stones were used for processing corn. And we see these, you know, in many native... Yeah, we see these in Arizona Native Americans, too. Yeah, I've seen many manos and matates. The hoes were used to till the soil, as we know, same in this day. Both of these implements were associated with food production and lend support to the argument that most of the cave rituals focused on themes of agricultural fertility. So this is kind of the first part that you see is all those, uh, the matates and a few of those first skulls. And then you are led to the back of the cavern. And towards the back of the cavern, there lay a full skeleton. So this is the first full, complete skeleton we've seen. And it is encrusted in travertine crystals. And this skeleton is known and is very famous. And it's known as the Crystal Maiden. This is just mind-blowing. And how amazing is this that... She is covered in crystals. So she is literally a crystal skull. She has a crystal skull. A crystal skull. Mm-hmm. Covered. So every bone just glitters, right? Yes. Yeah. And I didn't know what to expect on this. I'd read about the Crystal Maiden. This was the whole reason I wanted to go on this expedition. I wanted to see the Crystal Maiden. Yeah. And I kind of pictured like almost like the really large crystals like the shapes of like I don't know an amethyst or something Uh uh-huh but it's a little bit more like a sparkling skeleton that looks like it's just molded into the rock or molded from the rock almost at this point wow yeah so just glittering just a glittering skeleton and the crazy thing is Really, she isn't a maiden at all that they found out. <laughs> it just sounds so much better to call it, it the crystal maiden. Said so the crystal dude. The crystal dude. <laughs> yeah, this skeleton is actually a young male and yeah, lies in this cavern as his wow. forever tomb. How do they figure all of that out? I mean, when you're just, it's just covered with so much archaeology is fascinating it is absolutely fascinating i just think archaeology is just such an amazing field i love watching shows on archaeology and for anyone else that loves that there are several history channel and educational documentaries about atm cave so yeah um, we'll have to watch you want to you know see some visuals of everything we're talking about i would go and look maybe we can link them to our website yeah they're they're really interesting so when we got to the crystal maiden 
Um, they had us all sit in silence as kind of a moment of respect for this young person oh, who gave his life in what was considered a great sacrifice for their people. Yeah. Now, we don't know whether that was their choice or not. Right. Um, most likely not. But we kind of, you know, paid our respects to this young person and had like a moment of silence. And, um, you know, it was just interesting to think what this sacrifice meant to those people maybe hope to stave off famine or bring plenty to their family. And yeah, just really quite incredible to be in this place. And, you know, I've talked about a lot before being in those places, traveling, like you're stepping back in time to visit. And that place in particular just remained largely untouched and unchanged since the times of the Maya a thousand years ago. So it was especially felt like that. Isn't that amazing? I mean, you're literally looking at a skeleton, you know, of someone who died as a tribute to their gods a thousand years ago. Yeah. Just again, one of my very favorite burials or um, sepulchers that we that we've ever visited. And it was just so the whole experience getting there was amazing. I just want to emphasize that although this is still a resting place. This wasn't the normal burial practice and wasn't a place where they dumped their dead or placed their dead as a burial site. Yeah. Lots of people ask me that when I tell them, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, so they just, you know, throw their, their dead into this cave. And I'm like, no, it was very purposeful. Anybody that went into this cave and they spent time in this cave. And to them, this was worshiping. a sacred place. This was a cathedral or temple, so to speak, to them where they could be close to their gods and be able to give what they thought would help the community. And yeah. Yeah. The ancient Mayans regarded the afterlife as a perilous realm of existence. They actually practiced both burial and cremations, as well as adornment and wrappings of the bodies prepared them for their journey through the afterlife. The deceased would be buried with maize in their mouths as a symbol of the rebirth of their souls, as well as to nourish the soul on its journey through Shibalba. Bodies were positioned in their graves in the direction of the Mayan paradise, as this allowed the soul easier passage through the afterlife. Isn't that just so interesting? Yeah, a lot of this was felt very similar to you know Egypt and I just found it kind of Mm -hmm. funny like we always learn so much about Egypt and not as much about our cultures here in the Americas Mm -hmm. but they had a lot of similar beliefs so that was kind of cool to to learn more about I thought yeah the bodies were then sprinkled with red mineral cinnabar red being the color of death wrapped in cotton These markings acted as a disguise for the soul as it passed through the netherworlds of demons. Yikes. So they're kind of, you know, disguising themselves like, let us pass through peacefully. It was a whole other journey just to get through to a peaceful heaven 
type afterlife. This is terrible, but it makes me think of Walking Dead and then putting like... <laughs> yeah. Putting the stuff all over them, you know, from the zombie. But yeah, how they would take a zombie and then put the blood and guts and stuff all over them so that they could walk through the zombies right. without them noticing them. Doesn't it make you kind of think of that? That's like what their soul is doing in the in the underworld. Interesting. And everyone who died was believed to have to make this journey only in the cases of death due to childbirth, sacrifice, suicide, or battle did the soul pass directly into paradise. So that's kind of where, like with the sacrifices, they didn't think that you needed all of this burial and all of these like adornments because your sacrifice they were going was, straight there. Yeah, was enough. So your soul is good. You're taken care of. Artwork and carvings and sites all along the Yucatan portray many rituals and sacrifice as crucial parts of their belief system. And kind of going back to our slight discussion of nearby Tikal in Guatemala, there are a lot of burials there as it was once the largest Mayan city. So it was almost kind of like their capital. And so we were able to see kind of what more like traditional burials would have been like as well as what very fancy burials would have been like for leaders and kind of the elite. And then, you know, on the same trip, we were able to go to ATM, obviously, and see the sacrificial burial and, you know, resting place. So we kind of got to see all of these different parts of their society and how they dealt with death. And... It was very common for leaders to be buried in tombs underneath these grand temples. Mm-hmm. And we got to see those temples and we got to, some of them you're allowed to climb. So we like got to go to the top of these temples that have tombs underneath. And wow. there are seven main temples that have been excavated, but there are actually dozens more in the area that are still covered in plants and earth. And so oh, you wow. just see like the mounds, like you go and you see mm-hmm. the the earth mound and and that helps to keep them preserved than having them yes, exposed that's to exactly the elements. exactly right so some of them they even had kind of excavated at one point just to kind of see what was there and then they just let sure. the jungle do its thing again for another yeah. 50 years you know and <laughs> that makes sense and so our guide could point out see that hill over there that's actually another temple see that hill over there that's another building you know so that that's was amazing that was pretty cool t call temple one which is called the temple of the grand jaguar and it's kind of the main temple in what they used as their their main plaza this is the tomb of a king essentially Jasa Chan Kawai, which again, I'm so sorry. I am trying my best here. Right. Who knows? <laughs> and his tomb and temple was discovered by archaeologists in 1962. And it's a large vaulted chamber deep within the pyramid below ground level. So likely that wow. his tomb was built first and then the massive structure built on top. Okay. Over half of the chamber is occupied by the masonry bench supporting the king's body and all of his various grave goods. So again, kind of makes you think of Egypt, right? Yeah, yeah, very similar. The base of a giant... Giant pyramid. Pyramid with all of his grave goods for the afterlife. Absolutely. And the king's remains, they had been laid on a woven mat, and the tomb contained a variety of offerings, jaguar skins, 
jade objects, painted ceramics, rare shells, pearls, mirrors, and wow, mirrors. Right, which we don't see mirrors again until like the Renaissance, pretty much. Wow. So that is really fascinating. It's amazing. And other fine works of art. And uh, the body of the king was covered with large quantity of jade ornaments, including an enormous necklace with 114 large beads. And um, apparently this necklace weighed nearly nine pounds. Whoa. <laughs> so he was decked out. Goodness. So interesting to me, just like the different processes behind the their dead being laid to rest. Right. In each culture and throughout time, it changes and... But it's all just so interesting and tells you so much about a culture. Absolutely. So interesting. And of course, a noble leader's, a king's tomb looks a lot different than yes. a poor person's <laughs> sacrifice in a dark cave in the mountains, right? So oh, yeah. it's very, just the juxtaposition of those two things that we saw was really incredible and just learned so much about about their death practices. So. But isn't it kind of amazing that nature gave them something so beautiful in their sacrifice, like to literally be covered in in glittering crystal? I don't know. I just think that's kind of... I know it's just nature and what happens in that environment. I thought that too. Like this person has been, their sacrifice has been seen more than anyone has seen like the king in his tomb. Yeah. I mean, you see the big temple and know that that's a funerary temple, but this person still kind of got a really unique memorial. So I just felt like what a cool story to actually tell. Oh yeah. Kind of show those two in comparison. I guess this is our, you know, our exit through the cave. So after we visited the burial chamber, we made our way back out of the cave, slightly different route than we came in. And the light from the entrance truly felt blinding after just the headlamps. Yeah. We were in the cave for probably about, I want to say it was about two hours or so. So, you know, it was just almost kind of like, re-emerging back into the world, right? Right. And one of my favorite parts about the whole thing was then you got to the edge of that deep swimming pool and you got to just like jump in and swim back Uh out. (laughs) And it felt like you did go into like some sort of portal because you're like in the cave, you jump into the deep pool and then you swim out and you're in the light and you hear the birds and you hear the... You see you the just jungle. emerge from this other world, yes. literally. So it felt very, I don't know, it tied up the experience kind of in a neat little bow. Wow. So we were just so lucky to be able to do it. And like I said, I cannot recommend it enough, both going to ATM and T-Call in Guatemala. Right. Some of my favorite places we've ever visited. I don't know. I think you've convinced me. I think I, I would do it. I you think could I do, do it. it. Yeah. You could do it. Because what what an amazing experience for a few tight squeezes and, you know, the climb and the hike through the jungle. Just, wow, what an adventure. Not all of the burial sites that we talk about are such an adventure to get to. Right. Yeah, this one I think was the most challenging to get to, I'd say, out of anyone that I've I've done. (laughs) And... You know, I don't know anybody else that has been to this place. I mean, 
You literally saw crystal skeletons and skulls. It's just just so amazing. A lot of people I tell about this, they don't believe. I mean, they believe me, but they're just don't even know anything about it and are just kind of shocked like that that's yeah, a real thing it feels unbelievable it's wild thank you randy for bringing us to such an amazing place on our first stop on our spooktacular tour here this month and wow what do you guys think spooky scary just interesting cool fascinating what's your thoughts on this we'd love to hear about it Thank you, Randy, so much. This was so amazing. I know it was your pleasure to go to this amazing place. <laughs> and, you know, it was also it's also my pleasure to get to be kind of your virtual tour guide. Because, yes, I mean, I love history. I love talking about this kind of stuff. So, you know, thanks for giving me a platform to just to tell you about yes, <laughs> and tell people about my amazing trip. adventure. Yes, so, you are welcome. <laughs> A gruesome death was the fate of the people whose skeletal remains are crystallized in ATM Cave forever. But I hope that there is some solace in the story that they are able to tell. They're like a capsule to a time where this was much more than just a simple cave. They tell a story that was all but erased from history. And we will gladly continue to share the stories of the dead. This was Stones, Bones, and Shadows. You can see photos and more information about the cemeteries we explore and find our sources at stonesbonesandshadowspodcast.com. Also, don't forget to check us out on social media, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even TikTok, where you can interact with us. As always, we love to hear from our listeners. <laughs>